For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network. And we are your hosts here on this Tuesday Takes on Takes edition of the show. It is good to be back for a Takes on Takes edition. The best thing we do each week, in my opinion. No question, right? Because it's interactive. It gets all the listeners involved with us. Uh, We get to light some people up, so that's always fun. Uh, Joe, I have an an unofficial uh, cattle take for you. Oh, wow. Okay. It's, it's not on the list. I've been sitting on this. Okay. okay. This stumbled across my timeline, and I knew I had to ask you about it. Um, and I've been building this up, but we actually just talked about this like 10 minutes ago. Uh, how effective do you think it is to abbreviate the name Flores to just FLO, which is what Armando Salguero of the Miami Herald <sighs> just announced that he was going to begin doing uh, because it's more convenient for him to type F-L-O, flow, instead of Flores with an extra three letters. See, I thought you were going to go Game of Thrones direction there oh. on me, but... Uh, uh, i got to yeah. let you get a little bit more under your belt. Okay, well, um, so yeah, no, that's stupid. So <laughs> just, just type the R-E-S. Uh, as you noted in our pre-show conversation, they're very close in proximity on the keyboard and you've 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 not achieved anything. Shortening Flores is not going to help you. It's not going to give you any more time in your life. All you're going to do is create confusion to your followers as to who the heck you're talking about. Not a fan. I'm actually, I'm I'm on our spreadsheet that we have our takes on. Yeah, uh, the Joe Flacco one. I'm actually hitting res. Yeah, I, I see that. Wow, you you. I, I think I can do it in less than less than a second. I can get all three letters in. So very impressive use of time management to, to cut that out. Uh, he, in my opinion, It took him more time to put that tweet together, announcing to the world that he's not going to type in the RES anymore than he will ever save by not typing it out for the rest of his life. Probably. You're probably right. Glad good for him. Established. Yeah. Good for him. All right. Shall we, you ready to do this? Yeah. Yeah. We got some good takes today. I'm fired up. All right. Sorry. You're getting the first one comes from Trevor Joseph. And I, we've got a couple guys here that have established their own weekly segments within takes on takes, which I, I totally respect. Uh, this one comes from Trevor Joseph as gelastic as it might sound. I had no idea what that means. Oh, come on. Yeah. I didn't look it up in advance. So it, that's like laughable. Oh, okay. 
Did you know that or did you look it up? No, I knew that one. All right. That's that Penn State education, man. You've got more education than me. You're supposed to know more words. Uh, it says, as Jelastic, I hope I sp- – <laughs> am I pronouncing it right? Gelastic, yeah, Jelastic. Yeah, you're good. All right. <laughs> Out of all the AFC North teams, the Bengals had the best three value gets of the entire weekend. Renell Wren at 125, Rodney Anderson at 211, and Stanley Morgan Jr. as a UDFA. Takes on take. Hashtag new vocabulary for Joe. And Trevor, you win this week. Uh, That is incorrect. I look at this draft class and I had top 32 grades on Amanio Uorie and Calvin Harmon in this year's class. They went 146 and 206. Uh, As much as I liked Stanley Morgan, I believe I had him just outside the top 65. So I had him as like a third-round value. Uh, as much as I like that value to get first-round top 32 players at 146 and 206 uh, is, in my opinion, a, a much more effective value. And, and, Joe, I actually have these numbers quantified. And as we've kind of teased this a little bit about something that I'm doing with the trade value chart this year. And OUREA and Kelvin Harmon are listed as the best two value gets of this year's class. Any guess who the third might be? Um, what round were they taking? First. Really? It's yeah. the best value for you. Oh, it's probably, is it Brian Burns? It is Brian Burns okay. going 16, and I had him second overall. The yeah. next two were Chauncey Garner-Johnson, who went 105, and Elise Mack, who went 231. I had him 88th on my board. Oh, so Trevor, I mean, you are not on the same page here. Trevor says these are the best three. They're not even in your top five. No, you are, you are correct. So I, I, I disagree. What does Jelastic no, mean again? Wait, what? Jeez, it's laughable. Oh. As laughable as it might sound out of all the AFC North teams, the Bengals had the three best value gets the entire draft weekend. Well, I mean, he did. He said in the AFC North. Oh, now there's here's an extra layer here. Huh? <laughs> yeah, I think we need to address that. Okay, so I'm gonna keep talking here for just a second. I'm gonna put the layers on. Okay. And I'm gonna have just the NFC North teams. And do I the AFC like, North instead, though. AFC North, yes. Yeah. Thank you. That's why I get for talking and trying to do this at the same time. I feel like personally, the greedy Williams. Without looking at it, the greedy William picks is gonna is gonna be the best value. Yeah, that that was strong. Um, trying to think of anything else pops in my head. Okay, I got it. Okay, yeah. all right, there Any it is. Guesses at the top. Um, who is that? Mac Wilson. I'm guessing Mac Wilson's yeah. going to be. Yeah, he's going to be up there. Um, the best five value adds according to this methodology that I've been implementing this year. Uh, for the AFC it, North, all right. Mac Wilson, Jonah Williams, uh, Justice Hill, yeah, Ben Powers, who I had at one seventy five, he went one twenty three, and then Greedy Williams is fifth. Uh, had him rated thirty second, he went forty six. Trevor, I don't think you could have asked for more <laughs> in terms of uh, immediate reaction to that. So Kyle is not on board. No, I uh, I disagree respectfully, of course. Um, I also respectfully disagree with this take from Drew, Joe. Yeah. Uh, ice cream and beer are fine together as long as you aren't drunk takes on takes. I did it with Dairy Queen and a Guinness last weekend. Went fine. Ooh. 
Oh, that sounds so bad. <laughs> so, so bad. Um, I I think I mean, you got a better chance of being drunk and that working out, but I, I don't think that's a good combination in any way, shape or form. I mean, I don't like anything that's kind of like creamy mixed with booze. I mean, we what are those car bombs we had in yeah, West Virginia? Irish, Irish car bombs. And I know that's not ice cream and beer. I get that. But it's that creaminess of the Baileys and, and the Guinness. And that was just pretty repulsive for me. So I, I'm i out on this one, Drew. I, I don't think this works at all. Yeah, those those you got to go quick with that, right? Like if you let that hit your tongue, it's game over. Oh, Ice cream and beer. If you had to do it, is there even a combination that makes sense? Um, no. Ugh. We should do like root beer floats, but use actual beer, like beer floats. That would loser sound of, that that's nasty. Loser though. of a bet, loser of a bet has to do a beer float. So it's like vanilla ice cream in a beer. Yeah, and you got to oh, eat god. A oh god. Oh god. Yeah. Oh, loser of a bet has to do that. Let's think about it. <laughs> all right. Well, all right. Well, it, let us know your your takes on takes throughout the course of the summer. We'll set the tone for a lot of our bets, right? So that's that's where we get a lot of these things. So hit us with your best takes on takes throughout the course of the summer and set us up for uh, doing some nasty stuff. Give me a take. Oh, yeah. It's your turn to get a take. This one comes from... <laughs> So it comes from Michael Christopher. Quinnen Williams is a top five defensive prospect coming out, comparing him to the defensive players that have come out over the last 10 years. Miles Garrett, Von Miller would be ahead of him. Anyone else? So where does Quinnen Williams rank in terms of elite Jeez. prospects over the last 10 years? This is a lot to unpack here. Is he in that yeah, same that category as a Miles Garrett, Von Miller type player, Khalil Mack? See, first of all, we got to check the 2009 NFL draft so I can get an idea of like when the starting threshold was. Uh, this was the Aaron Curry year. Not mm, a good start. Not great. <laughs> BJ Raji, Aaron Mabin, Brian mm. Rackpo, Tyson Jackson. These are the top 15 defensive players that went in this year's class. Uh, Brian Cushing. Oh, so this is the Clay Matthews year. So we got Clay, but Clay went 26. He wasn't super highly regarded. So. Okay, so anybody in that year going forward? I would say Khalil Mack, right? Khalil Mack is ahead of him, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I was going to say, how highly did you covet Khalil Mack back in the day? He, yeah, he was top five guy on my board. I had him above Clowney. Oh, you did? Yeah, oh yeah. I, I had him just behind Clowney, but they were, uh, I believe, one and two on my board. In 14. Miles Garrett's a better prospect than Quinn Williams, right? Yes, but he's acknowledged already. Yeah. He said Von Miller, Miles Garrett already. How about Indominic and Sue? Oh, man, I thought he was the tits. Yeah. Can I say that on the podcast? <laughs> you can now because I'm going right. to now. All right. Because <laughs> um, he, was, he was second overall in 2010. Uh, Gerald McCoy went three and Eric Berry went five that year. All right. So I'm just kind of counting as we go. So we have um, – Sue, and then Miles Garrett, Von Miller, and Khalil cool, Maxo. So it's four, yes? Yeah. Oh, now here we go. We got Von going two to Denver. Marcel Darius, three to Buffalo. Uh, Patrick Peterson going five to Arizona. 
Alden Smith going seven to San Francisco, JJ Watt eleven to Houston. But as prospects go, yeah, no, I don't think any of those guys take the cake. Yeah, maybe Peterson, but that's a maybe. So we're still at four. Yep. 2012. Shit class this was. Okay. Was it? Well, we had luck, and then we go Robert Griffin, Trent Richardson, Matt Khalil, Justin Blackman, Morris Claiborne, Mark Barron, Ryan Tannehill as the top eight. Nine and ten were good picks. Yeah, nine and ten were good picks. Uh, Eleven and twelve were good picks too. Keekley, Gilmore, Bo, and Gox. But I don't think any of those guys take over Quinn. Yep, I agree. So now we're into thirteen. Deion Jordan going third overall. Uh, Ziggy Ansah, Barkevius Mingo. Listen, this just proves my this proves my point. Okay, (laughs) people asked us, "Do you lose credibility because you had DK Metcalf as a sixth player and he went sixty four? Does the NFL lose any credibility for these picks? <laughs> They're everywhere. They're everywhere. DJ Hayden, 12. D. Milner, 9. Barkevius Mingo, 6. So nobody in that class. What about Clowney? How do you feel about Clowney? Uh, for, for me, I wasn't the biggest Clowney guy. So I definitely think Quinn Williams is a better prospect than Clowney. I had them in the same stratosphere, so I would make an argument and put him on the list, and, and that would be five. Was that Bruce? Yeah, Bruce is, would like Bruce my attention. Down, I, I don't care if he doesn't like Jadavion Clown. <laughs> um, there's nobody in 15. Nope, I'm looking at it right now. Not a chance. Nobody in 16 either, huh? Jalen no. Ramsey, maybe? Yeah, maybe. Not for sure, though. Maybe. So, yeah, Quinn Williams is a top 10. Top five. Top, top five. So Defensive prospect in the last 10 years. Absolutely. You could maybe, if you wanted to stake your flag in the, the ground for Jadavion Clowney, you could say maybe not. But a very good take. That's a, I like that take. Yeah, it's fun. Props to Michael. All right, uh, take for you, Joe, from Jason. In five years, people are going to be talking about how the Broncos spent their top three picks on all pros and a pro bowl. Whew. Okay, so that's Noah Fant, Dalton Risner, and Drew Locke? Yes. So in this group, what do I have now? Uh, th- two, two All Pros and a Pro Bowl. Man, that's so aggressive. Like that's so rare. I mean, just like take away the names to think that any team has come away with that in their top three picks is pretty aggressive. Now I know that they picked twenty, forty-one, and forty-two, so they've got some higher assets there. Can I see um, two of these guys being Pro Bowlers? Yeah, I think Fant and Risner could be Pro Bowlers. That that wouldn't surprise me. I don't know about Drew Locke, though. And what's my time frame here? In three years? No, in five the next, years. The next five years. Man, that's, I think that's aggressive. I think that's aggressive just because we're talking about Drew Locke in, you know, second round pick. I don't know. I don't know that I see him falling into that Pro Bowl or All Pro category. Seems aggressive. I like what they did, but that's a little aggressive for me. DV says, with Telvin Smith out in Jacksonville, I think Joe Giles Harris is about to be Darius Leonard 2.0. Perfect situation for him. I don't think you could get more different football players than Telvin Smith and Joe Giles Harris. So to expect him to step into that role, I think, is a bit ambitious. I could see some of the parallels you're trying to make with Giles Harris and Darius Leonard as far as not being the greatest athletic testers. 
being physical guys. Uh, but I was very high on, on Darius Leonard. He was a top 50 player for me last year. And Joe Giles Harris for me, that's just the more I watched him, the more soured I got on him, Joe. And I, I think you've got some takes on this too, yeah? I got some takes on this Telvin Smith situation. You know, he's stepping away from football for the season. And, you know, I think there's been a lot of celebration for him and people saying, you know, life over football, all that type of stuff. But to me, this is one of those anomalies of being an NFL football player where you have enough salary that you've acquired over the last few years that you can realistically do something like this. But the common person can't. And football players work really, really, really hard. They do. But I don't think they put in any more hours than the normal working American. And to me, this is a personal problem with Telvin Smith that his balance in life is off because I don't think that his job is any more demanding than most people's jobs. And so I think this is very peculiar to me for him to step away for a season. Now, if you're going to retire, retire, be done, hang it up. Hey, this isn't for you anymore. You want to preserve your body, but to take a year off, I think that is something very funky to me. And I know that that's potentially being insensitive to a personal situation that I'm not aware of, but again, can the common person do this? I think it's funky to me. It kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I'm surprised you feel that way that, that football players, careers aren't any more demanding than everyone else's from a day-to-day basis you're i mean it's their season they work they work a regular eight-hour day like any other human being does sure And, and i don't doubt the fact that the time commitment is probably equal to or maybe in some cases even less than than average joe's but the exertion of that time and the intensity of which they have to do everything to perform at a high level, I think, is the difference for me. Hmm. I don't know. I, I don't. I, I think it's a, it's a lever. He's leveraging. I just don't. Who else can do that? Hey, you know what? I've just. I'm. I'm taxed. I'm mentally and physically taxed. I need to take a year off of my job. People go on sabbaticals all the time. For a year? I don't know if it's for a year, but. I mean, as your income increases, you have the ability to be more flexible with it. Mm. I thought it was weird. And I, again, I'm acknowledging that I don't know the mechanics of what went into that decision, right? I, I could, I could be being extremely insensitive to something that 100% demands him not participating in football. I just feel like from a common man's perspective, it's just funny to me because I don't think it's that. I mean, they're physical. They have to be in great physical condition to play football and the work that goes into that. But people have stuff that happens in their lives all the time. And they, they don't take a year off from work. I don't know. Funny to me. Well, we'll see if more comes out as far as what facilitated yeah. that move. We got what? Three more. Three yeah, more let's take? do it. This one is this one for you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is it? Yeah. Joe Flacco. He said, this is from Joe Flacco. This, I reported this cause I want to get your take on it. He said, I got so many things to worry about. I'm not worried about developing guys or anything like that. Referring to drew lock. 
That is what it is. I hope he does develop. I don't look at that as my job. My job is to go win football games for this football team. Kyle, what do we think about this? I mean, he's not technically wrong, but like, where did this sense of entitlement come from? And and it's the same thing as like the Ben Roethlisberger situation when they drafted Mason Rudolph, right? And then Joe Flacco last year when the Ravens drafted Lamar Jackson, like, didn't return his texts or phone calls for a while. And, like, once they got in the building, like, Joe was fine and whatever. And I get that Joe's saying, look, I'm here to be the starting quarterback, so I need to focus and channel my time and energy on being the starting quarterback. But, like, part of part of being a teammate involves the, the same things that, like, we as – you know, the draft network engage in where we have these conversations with each other about, Hey, what did you see? You know, it's not like Drew Locke's going to like fit into his pocketbook and like Joe's going to carry him around all day and have to feed him lunch and, and hold his hand. And it's like, you're in the same film room together. If he asks you a question, are you not going to answer the question? So I get the point that he's trying to make, but I don't understand why we have to like come out and like put this front up. Like Roethlisberger did it last year. Flacco indirectly passively did it last year. And now he's doing it publicly this year. I just, it's just just better ways to deal with it. Right. Like even if you totally believe that, just say, Hey, you know, my number one focus is on helping the Denver Broncos win, win football games. And, you know, I, I, I look forward to working with drew lock and and being part of the quarterback room with him. That's all he's got to say. They didn't have to come out and say, not my job to develop them. Correct. You know, I just feel like there's better ways to do it. And, and I get it. I mean, even, even uh, Ross Tucker kind of came and um, affirmed what Flacco was saying and that, you know, it's weird to invest your, your time and, and give your knowledge to somebody who's coming for your job, but there's just better ways to answer that question. So we don't have to talk like this as we're doing right now. And not to mention, how old's Joe Flacco? He's got, he's in his thirties, right? Somewhere, mid thirties. Guessing thirty four. Okay, thirty four. Thirty five at the end of next season. Joe, you ain't playing forever, dude. With all due respect, you do not have the <laughs> leash that some of these other quarterbacks do when you haven't thrown for more than twenty touchdown passes in five years, dude. Hmm. One season in his career throwing for over twenty five touchdown passes. Really? Yeah, that's it. Thrown for four thousand yards one time in his career. Um, Fitz has done. Fitz has Fitz done four thousand yards. I think he has. Uh, I'm like ninety five percent sure he has. He there one season with the Bills. He had like ah, uh, it was thirty eight, thirty two, and thirty nine oh five. Thirty nine oh five. Yeah, his yeah, he got close. His year in two thousand fifteen with the Jets was better than any year, statistically speaking, better than any yeah. year Joe Flacco's ever had in his career. <laughs> He was out of his mind that year to start the year. That fits magic, man. It happens. Yep. It's magic, baby. Gonna watch him ride the bench this year. Yeah, he should. He should. He should. Okay, so we got two more, yeah? Yep, these are good ones, too. All right, so Travis Graber turned in Ben Solak. Yes, he did. Today. Tattle takes. Uh, George Kittle is the best tight end in the league. Tattle takes. Whew. Um, so he's up there, right? He's 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 in that mix but i mean certainly with gronkowski being retired as we think it's a little bit more open but it's 
It's Kelsey, right? It's Travis Kelsey. Isn't that the correct answer to this question? I believe this is the proper answer. Yes. Yeah. And so I don't, I don't hate it, Ben. And I certainly get that Kittle gives a lot of value in as a blocker as well, but I probably need a little bit more under his belt in just terms of games and experience and consistency over a longer period of time for me to say, Hey, this is the league's best tight end. So I think this is aggressive. He's probably in that top three, five range, but number one, that's going to be Travis Kelsey for me. Right. I mean, let's call a spade a spade here. Kittle had an amazing year last year, 1,377 receiving yards on 87 receptions, but it was his second year in the pros. He's only, only had one year of elite production and he was like far and away the best option on the San Francisco 49ers. So, like, I, I just think that the demand of the passing offense really helped facilitate some of this, you know, elite production that we saw from George Kittle. And that's not to say, athletically speaking, and from a skill set perspective, that he's not very good because he is. But you got to do it more than one year to be like the guy in the pros. Yeah. Good, some good up and coming tight ends. I'm anxious to see what OJ Howard looks like this year with yeah. Bruce Arians. I mean, he he's got every ability in the world to get into that mix. And also, Hunter Henry returns from injury this year, who was looking like he was on the verge of stardom there. Um, so, you know that that conversation is going to look interesting. I'll be anxious to revisit it at the end of the season. Kyle, the last one goes to you, Mark Sanchez. You may have heard of this guy, USC quarterback, New York Jets. He went through and projected. The New York Jets in 2019 to have a 13 and three record. I turned them in. I turned them in. This is a title take. So Kyle, Mark Sanchez, 13 and three, New York Jets in 2019. Yay or nay? This takes trash, Joe. Straight trash. All right. So we we got to go through this one by one now, right? 13 yeah, well, and three, and he gave them a layup loss in Week 17 yeah. to Buffalo. Because he said, but, and the Raiders, and the Raiders. So the wins in succession, home against Buffalo. Not so, that crazy, right? Not, Potential win there. Not that crazy. Right. Home against Cleveland. Not that crazy. Not I, that pro- crazy. I probably would pick Cleveland, but it's not that crazy. Right. It's not he that has crazy. Them lose at New England week three. Yes. Big okay, facts. That's fine. Uh, Winning in Philadelphia against the Eagles. Nope. Nope. Two and two. All right. So two and two. Best case scenario, two and two, right? We're going to give them the benefit of the doubt here. Right. Um, Win at home against Dallas. Not that crazy. Win at home against the Patriots. Crazy. So you're saying three and three right now. Yeah. Would you disagree with that? No, I don't. Uh, Win at Jacksonville. That's fine. I mean, that's an early season. Get that going down to Jacksonville in the heat. Uh, I'm not going to say it's that crazy, but it, it's, it's week, aggressive. It's it's week eight. Yeah, it's going to be freaking ninety degrees in Jacksonville. They have a bye week in week four. Okay. So that was part. Of right, the, so it, that was part of the reason why I gave the win in Philly because they had the bye week the week prior. Okay, so we're, we'll say it's not that crazy. What is it? Four and three. Four and three right now. Yes. All right. Uh, win at Miami. That's fine. Yeah, five and three. Uh, win against the Giants. That's fine. Six and three. That's fine. Win at Washington. Seven and three. That's fine. Uh, win at home against the Raiders. He gave them a loss. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. 
Yes. What am I going to? Am I going to contradict them for that? No, you're going to you're going to pick the win loss. I think that. You think that? Who do I think is going to win that game? They're eight and three right now, right? Right. Right, but this is—I mean, this is weird to me because this is one of the losses Mark Sanchez gave them in their way to going thirteen and three. He gave them two pity losses along the way, is what he did. He wanted to go sixteen and zero. No, he wanted to go fifteen and one because he gave the Patriots loss. Yeah, the Patriots loss. Yeah. Uh, road against the Bengals. Not that crazy. Not that win. So right now we're nine and three. Right. Yeah. Best yep. case scenario, nine and three. Best case scenario. Home win against the Dolphins. It's fine. Ten and three. Ten and three. At Baltimore, I I I mean it's not crazy to think they're going to win that game, but I mean that feels aggressive to me. How about home win against Pittsburgh? They ain't winning both of those games, right? They got to lose at least one, right? So we'll give them a, a realistic split there. So what I got on that eleven and eleven four? And four, and then the game against the Bills. It's not crazy to think they would win that game, right? right. So their ceiling that we just went through. Their absolute best case scenario is twelve and four, and it's funny because we gave them two wins that Mark Sanchez didn't. Right. So if you take those out, now they're ten and six. <laughs> All right. I mean, I think that's aggressive. I mean, it's a pretty soft schedule. Let's be honest here, because I, yeah, the you know the NFC East looks like it's going to be pretty eh, this year. And obviously, the AFC East has some teams that are on the uptick, but still have to prove it. So, giving them the benefit of the doubt, every opportunity that we can, got to what twelve and four, twelve and four, while also giving them two wins that Sanchez gave them. Yeah, and I think they're, be they're, real they're a ten-win football team this year. I think Adam Gase is their head coach. You always have to remember that. Yes, I, I'm well aware, but they. They're going to throw the ball to Le'Veon Bell a ton. Um, they still need more on the offensive line. Oh, they still need more. Jets are a ten-win team. I think they're a ten-win team. Yeah, I mean, now here's the, the good well, news. So, as a yeah. Bill, as a Bills fan, here's the good news. I think they're going to they will hit their ceiling with Gase in year one because there's going to be a deg, uh, degradation. I believe is the word I'm looking for, where they're. They're going to peak early under Gase, I think. They did it because they Miami. did in Miami. Yep. Is that why? I mean, well, and the, they have talent. This defense is really good, and they just added Le'Veon Bell, Sam, Sam Darnold in year two. He's going to be better. I mean, there's reason they're going to tie their hands financially, so they're going to have to make some concessions defensively. So you expect that you think if I set the over under for wins for the New York Jets in 2019, I put at nine and a half, you'd take the over? I'd probably take the over. Really? Joe, their offensive coordinator is Dow Loggins. Okay. Do you have any idea how bad Loggins is at his job? Well, I mean, you just told me they're going to win 10 games. It's going to be in spite of the coaching staff. And that's why I think they're going to peak early. Here's the stats. I have the stats, okay? Adam Gase's rankings as a head coach in offensive plays and pace without Peyton Manning. Here's with Peyton Manning first. 12, 13, and 14. Ready? Yep. Fourth in plays, second in pace. 
first in plays, third in pace. Seventh in plays, ninth in pace. That was 12, 13, and 14, Adam Gase working with Peyton Manning. Without Peyton Manning. In 2015, 18th and 27th, 16th, 32nd and 31st, 17th, 22nd and 29th, 18th, 32nd and 32nd. Same filters for going back to 2012 for Dow Loggins. 32nd and 20th, 15th and 22nd, 19th and 3rd, 18th and 27th, 30th and 23rd, 31st and 32nd, 32nd and 32nd. They don't run a lot of plays and they play slow. So, what does this mean for the New York Jets? They've got a soft schedule this year. They'll get some momentum, and they will win, but I do not think it is sustainable as long as Adam Gates is the head coach of the football team. So, all right, well. That's why I'd say they're a 10-win team this year. Soft schedule. They're talented. But where do they go from here, right? It's like the Dolphins and Bills and Jets are – different individual points of their rebuilds, right? Like the Jets and Bills, the Bills technically started a year before the Jets, right? Yeah. And then they both got their quarterbacks in the same year. They both were in similar positions, but the Bills had more draft capital than the Jets did because the Jets had to trade up for their quarterback, and they spent a ton of money this offseason. So they've accelerated their window where it's like, you're now into your three-year must-win-now category for the Jets. Yeah, they have. Yeah, and they they wanted to do more. They wanted to get friggin' Anthony Barr. Yep. So The AFC East could be fun. It's going to be very interesting because you're seeing very different philosophies play out amongst those teams as they're trying to jostle for life after Tom Brady. But at the same time, they just they all have 2018 first round quarterbacks. Uh, and in 2019, they all took very dynamic interior defensive linemen. So um it's gonna be an interesting division. No question. It's gonna be interesting rest of the week for us here on Draft Dude. So you guys gotta make sure you come on back and check it out. Uh hope you guys enjoyed Takes on Takes with Joe back in the captain's share with us. Was lonely without him next week, but we may do, Joe. Um just promise you won't leave us again anytime soon, okay? Uh, give us your takes for next week. Uh, hashtag takes on takes or hashtag tattle takes at grinding tape and at the Joe Marino. We'll talk to you guys again tomorrow. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.